two haven't met him yet. It's a parasocial podcast hosted by me. Hello, I'm Sarah. Thank you so much for tuning into the pod. This is kind of like my first episode in a way because last week's episode was quite short, kind of more of a trailer situation. And also this week feels extra official because I went ahead and purchased a microphone. You know, what a concept. Just the iPhone quality wasn't really doing it for me. So I thought, you know what? I'm gonna invest in this podcast. I've been doing a lot of thinking since starting to pursue this podcast about my own personal parasocial relationship and kind of what I learned through those years and the better parts of it, like all the things that just being absolutely infatuated with Michael Buble, how that enriched my life. I've been thinking about how he introduced me to so many different types of music and how he gave me something to look forward to and all these different things. And uh, while all of that is true, we cannot deny that there's there's a bad side to this, you know? This will not shock you to hear that when it comes to having a one-sided relationship with someone, it can very quickly go downhill for various reasons. It could be due to the mental stability, perhaps, of the person having the parasocial relationship, or it can be due to people banding together and kind of a groupthink scenario where you think that, oh yeah, this is absolutely the right decision right now. And then later realize that you were kind of being mean to this person you don't know. That's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna make room for all the good stuff by first talking about the bad stuff because parasocial relationships, like any other relationships, can be negative. The term parasocial relationship came to me like it probably came to you, which was in the form of John Mulaney's relationship with Olivia Munn. And I think that came out at some point last year. And I don't really know much about either one of those people, but I know that the term parasocial relationships gained a lot of steam after that, because my understanding is a lot of John Mulaney fans were kind of lending their opinions related to that relationship, you know, in a public forum, which is a choice. But the term toxic fandom has been coined in recent years to describe anything from doxing, which means like publishing a person's private information on the internet, to death threats. These public forums that we have like Reddit and YouTube and Instagram and any social media platform or community forum in general, they can be used for good or for evil. One thing that I didn't really talk about in last week's episode, that parasocial relationships can also extend to fictional characters. They're not just celebrities like actors or singers. Oftentimes people have a one-sided relationship with a fictional character. It's widely documented. I'm sure you can think of some examples of that. And there have been many times where a bunch of fans got upset with like a new character or a storyline interfering with their chosen icon and they would band together and get upset and sort of act on that upset. There is something called review bombing, which can mean leaving bad reviews on someone's IMDb page in hopes of like ruining their reputation and I guess making sure that they never get work again. That doesn't really seem effective, first of all. I feel like that'd be pretty easy to see through. Also, it's kind of misdirected anger, you know, because it's it's really not that actor's fault that they're playing a character that's written in a way that you don't particularly like. Regardless, this happened with 
a show or a movie. Sorry, I'm not a superhero person, so I'm not sure. But it happened in the case of Miss Marvel. People just organized together and they were like, you know what, this particular character doesn't fit the storyline in the way that I like. So let's review bomb their IMDb. And yeah, there are all sorts of examples of fans just grouping together on Facebook or Reddit or YouTube and organizing to carry out a particular attack, whether that's online or IRL. An article from Salon in June 2022 talks about these hate-fueled attacks on certain actors within the Star Wars franchise, on Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega. Another article in Teen Vogue referenced the Pretty Little Liars fandom and how a certain group within that fandom issued the showrunner Marlene King death threats after the finale because they weren't happy with the way that it went. And again, you know, a number of studies have been done, including one from the Singapore Management University, that talk about how, you know, these relationships between audiences and celebrities and how as audiences, we can develop this sense of intimacy, friendship, and identity connection with these celebrities quite easily. And it makes it harder to determine what's real and what's imagined. There are truly so many examples of this that it's hard to even put a cap on how many to include in this episode. Like even celebrities who take the time to make a connection with their fan base and really take into account what their fans think and their opinions and their their creativity, really want to establish a community around whatever it is they do. Even that has a flip side that's negative. If you follow Nicki Minaj online, or if you've seen videos on YouTube, you probably know that, I mean, obviously Nicki Minaj has a raging fan base, but she has a fan base that is very passionate, that will rap her songs back to her, that will tweet at her and she'll tweet back at them. And that all seems positive. That makes me, as sort of a consumer of culture, want to interact with this person more and have like a higher opinion of them. But on the flip side of that, I read an article from pajiba.com, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, where it talks about this freelance writer who tweeted about Nicki Minaj and the direction that this writer wanted to see Nicki Minaj's music go in. They don't include the exact tweet, and I'm not familiar with it, but they say in this article that the tweet itself is pretty mild, and it's definitely not the worst piece of criticism that Nicki Minaj has ever received. And she she didn't even tag Nicki in the tweet or anything like that, but they assume kind of in this article that Nicki Minaj either searched for it herself or the more likely scenario is the Barb's or Nicki Minaj's fan base found it, tagged her in it a bunch of times, and then Nicki Minaj eventually responded by DMing this writer. Again, it doesn't say exactly what that was, but just because this freelance writer tweeted an opinion about Nicki Minaj, the barbs, they took issue with it. This writer received thousands, it says, of hateful messages across social media, as well as her personal phone number. She lost an internship with a blog that she'd been writing for, and her four-year-old daughter also became a target for abuse. All because she tweeted about Nicki Minaj. Not at Nicki Minaj, but about her. That's just wild. There are also instances of like celebrity relationships that we insert ourselves into as fans. One of those is, 
you know, back in, I think it was 2018 when Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson were together. That was sort of like a never ending tabloid cycle. Same thing with like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and and the two different eras of Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck being together. It's just like never ending and it's so easy to get involved in that. I kind of forget sometimes that those are also parasocial relationships. To me, that's like paparazzi gossip machine. And I forget that it's the same thing. It's the same sort of concept of like, we make assumptions about these celebrities and because we have the tools now to make those assumptions in public, we can we can do that and face consequences or we forget that the person on the other side of our parasocial relationship will face consequences as well. Olivia Wilde and just the whole, I don't even need to tell you, oh my gosh, like the drama surrounding the Don't Worry Darling premiere. And I feel like that all started with like Olivia Wilde receiving custody papers from her ex, Jason Sudeikis, while previewing Don't Worry Darling at CinemaCon, according to Yahoo Finance. You know, it went in so many directions. Like if you were online during that time, did Harry spit on Chris Pine? Like, and who cares? That one, it's just too much. It's like every little thing. They give us an inch and we take a mile. And by we, I just mean, you know, public people who aren't famous. Another example, and one that I indeed got sucked into, was the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial last spring. I think that was almost a year ago at this point. There was the hashtag justice for Johnny Depp trending on Twitter like every other day and like all these gifts and stills of Amber Heard's face. And it's just because it's all online, like sometimes hard to separate in that situation specifically because it's a legal scenario. It's hard to separate like, what did I actually hear in the trial? What did I actually see versus what did I see and hear and read on social media, you know, because those are two different things. I'm just going to read this quote from an article on polygon.com that's called Toxic Fans Have Made Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's Trial Inescapable. And the link to it is in the show notes if you want to read the whole article. And I recommend doing so because it's very well written. It says, quote, fandom isn't new. You can trace it all the way back to reading clubs for Sherlock Holmes. But fandom in the internet age has a different level of intensity and coordination. Social media has morphed it into something closer to online gangs or cults, protecting and policing each other in lieu of real moderation happening on large platforms like Facebook or Twitter. In fact, these platforms have spent years rewarding and training users to operate as swarms, share content connected to their favorite actors and franchises, and go to war with each other for clout. Wowza! I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm a better fan than anyone else or that I'm above all of this. What I'm trying to say is we live in this time right now where we can one, have opinions on all sorts of different aspects of pop culture, all sorts of different franchises and actors and singers and all sorts of people that we don't know. And we can establish our own connections with those people because we have infinite access to them. And also number two is we can share those opinions online in all these different public places. These are two things 
that are available to us. And I just think that it's really important that, you know, we maintain as consumers and participants in this kind of culture, take responsibility for that. And that we, you know, really just consider how our actions can actually affect other people. It's kind of as simple as that. There is a difference between having a thought and sharing it online. There really is. And I just think we need to be kind of cognizant of that. When these things become pathological, when you really feel like you have a relationship with a celebrity and that you that you deserve and have a right to be in their life in some way, that's when things can turn ugly, if you will. Just like parasocial relationships can provide you with comfort if you're quite introverted or connection when you feel isolated, they can also be very dangerous to the subject of your parasocial relationship if it extends to things like stalking or just really heavily obsessing in a negative way and taking things really to the extreme. There's a lot of different factors at play here. Like some of these scenarios where an individual tries to make contact with the subject of their parasocial relationship, like it's hard to understand this behavior and it's hard to understand what might be going on in the person's life to warrant any kind of negative comment on social media, let alone banding together on like a gossip site or dedicating an Instagram profile or a a Reddit forum to hating on someone. It's awful. Any way you spin it, it's an awful way to spend one's time. It's an awful thing to do. And there are also moments when the parasocial relationship makes IRL contact. One example of that that comes to my mind just because I feel like I've heard about it a lot in my time of watching YouTubers is just the sheer amount of people who make videos saying, please don't come to my house. Please don't bring your children to my home because that's my understanding is that a lot of parents just drive their children around Los Angeles to show up at YouTubers' homes and try and get a picture with them, which is disturbing to say the least. But there are plenty of examples of this all throughout history. According to Wikipedia, John Lennon's killer, Mark David Chapman, was a Beatles fan who was jealous and enraged by John Lennon's lifestyle and really took issue with his comment that the Beatles were quote unquote, more popular than Jesus. There was John Hinckley Jr., who you may have heard of as the guy who was obsessed with Jodie Foster. But the longer story is he became obsessed with the film Taxi Driver that, of course, Jodie Foster was in, in addition to Robert De Niro. And in the movie, Robert De Niro's character plots to assassinate a presidential candidate. According to Wikipedia, when Jodie Foster started going to Yale, Hinckley moved to New Haven, Connecticut just to stalk her and send her love letters and romantic poems and somehow got her number and kept calling her and leaving her messages. John Hinckley Jr. failed to develop any meaningful contact with Foster, but had a lot of fantasies that I won't go into here about somehow getting her attention through some huge global scheme. And he eventually settled on 
trying to impress her by assassinating the president, Ronald Reagan, thinking that that would actually get her attention and somehow make him her equal. And so he did, in fact, attempt to assassinate Ronald Reagan, but wasn't successful. There was Yolanda Saldivar, who was a former nurse. According to Wikipedia, she attended one of Selena's concerts and then afterwards started calling Selena's dad to ask if she could start a fan club in San Antonio, Texas. Eventually, Selena's dad basically gave in and Yolanda became the club's president and then later became the manager of Selena's clothing boutiques called Selena, etc. And then in early 1995, Selena's family discovered that Saldivar had been embezzling money from that fan club and all the boutiques, which led to her ultimately getting fired. Selena basically went to meet Yolanda at a motel to get these financial records that Yolanda was refusing to turn over. That resulted in Yolanda shooting Selena, and Selena eventually died from her injuries. There's not a whole lot to say about that other than it's incredibly tragic and so awful and so avoidable. So that's why, you know, it's so important that we start here with the negative so that we can talk about what makes a healthy parasocial relationship and how to kind of stay aware of these more negative sides of it. You know, more regularly, of course, parasocial relationships may also, according to medicalnewstoday.com, encourage negative social comparisons. I mean, hard to avoid these days. Instagram, you know what I'm saying? Parasocial relationships can also influence your spending habits, of course. We know this. Influencer culture, baby. You're way more likely to buy something from this influencer who you feel like you know and love, even if you don't know or love them. You're way more likely to buy stuff from them than, than any anywhere else. And naturally, that also has links to materialism. There have been some studies to show that parasocial relationships may also contribute to depression, which also correlates with social media use. Nothing super shocking here. And as for me, let's talk about me, if you wouldn't mind the negative aspects of my parasocial relationship. So my relationship with Michael Buble, in my humble opinion, was mostly healthy. I held solid and strong relationships with friends and family during that period of my life. I even had a boyfriend, a long-term boyfriend during that time. I never drove by his house or crossed any sort of boundary into his actual life, but to be honest, it was a bit of a different era as well. Social media wasn't really a thing yet, especially in the early years of my fandom. So I would go to these community forums and fan clubs to listen to like his latest radio interviews or read an article from Australia or something like that. That's how I kept up with him. I didn't, he wasn't making TikToks at that time. You know, he wasn't making cute little Instagram videos or anything like that. I, it was really old school. And and by old school, I mean still internet, but not not this internet. You know what I mean? I actually, when I first got involved with the Michael Bublé fandom, I didn't have a credit card. And so I couldn't be in the official Michael Bublé fan club. I guess I couldn't find another suitable one. So I joined the free Australian fan club and I made all sorts of friends there. If any of them happen to listen to this, please, please DM me at Sarah Supergreat with an eight or email me at haven't met him yet 
at gmail.com because I would love to hear from you. I've tried to find that fan club in recent years just to see if it still exists and I can't find it, but it was so fun. I'd go on there and say, what's your favorite song from Call Me Irresponsible? Or I'd say, did you see this performance on YouTube, it's insane, that kind of thing. And it was so fun and we'd organize together not to review bomb anybody or, you know, talk negatively about his relationship or anything like that. We'd organize to like send him a bunch of postcards for his birthday or something like that. Like it was, it was very wholesome, I will say. It was so enjoyable, again, to find people who had that mutual interest. I've said this before online, but I feel like if TikTok was around when I was 12 and Michael Bublé was making TikToks and asking people to duet him and stuff, I would be on that-ish. You know what I mean? Like, I would be all over that. I'd spend hours doing that. But instead, I turned 30 this year and I'm just not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna make a podcast about parasocial relationships in general, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go to great lengths to respond to his every little TikTok. That's just like a personal boundary I have. Let me say something. I do wanna say this. I do feel some type of way that so much of my young life, my prepubescent to pubescent era was spent thinking about and pining for a man. This is feminist corner, okay? But it's arguable that too much of my mental energy was spent on this. I don't like the idea that my love for any guy was a core aspect of my personality. I don't love that for me, especially for young me. And I know that this is common. Have you heard that Billie Eilish interview where she plays the video of when she was 12? In the video, 12-year-old Billie Eilish says like, I was just crying so hard because I'm worried when I get a boyfriend, I won't want to be with him because I actually love Justin Bieber more. And then she ends the video with saying, and I can't handle that. That resonates with me so much. I can't handle that. That's truly how it feels. And I would guess that this is why it's often women who fall into fandoms in this way. We're socialized to find a partner, right? But I'm proud to say that part of me wanted to be Michael Buble as well. I looked up to him in the sense that I wanted to make people feel the way he made them feel and treat them the way he seemed to treat them. But anyway, now we're venturing back into the good and the good is for later episodes of this podcast. So after all of this, after all of this tragedy and sadness and danger, is it possible to have a healthy, positive parasocial relationship? What do you think? Cause I truly wanna hear so send me a DM. Again, find me on Instagram, Sarah Supergreat, S-A-R-A-H, super, like Superman, great, G-R, and then the number eight, baby. Or you can email haven'tmethimyet at gmail.com. And let me know if you think a positive parasocial relationship exists or if they're all bad. No judgment whatsoever. I say that yes, naturally, there can be healthy and positive parasocial relationships, but there absolutely need to be guardrails in place, boundaries in place, especially for children. I personally would never want to rob anyone of this type of passion that you have towards a musician or an actor or even a fictional character because I think that it is character building, pun intended. Like I would, I would never want to take that away from my own child but 
Like you can't be driving to YouTubers' houses. You know what I mean? It's just not okay. It's just not okay. Anywho, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.